welcome back to another episode of the Foolproof Truth Bourbon Podcast. As always, Jeff and Mike here. Sitting in with us today is a special guest. His name is Mr. Kyle. Kyle, how you doing? Good. Thanks for having me. Uh, no problem. Mike, how you doing today? I'm well above average. Today. Excellent. Very well above average. Excellent. And we are bringing in ourselves a fine young man with us. He hails from Michigan, and he is a recent graduate from engineering. Uh, we are going to bring this fine gentleman in because he has uh, some very unique experiences. And he's also rather new to bourbon, would you say, Kyle? Yeah, absolutely. Perfect. What's your what's your experiences so far with bourbons? Um, honestly, I kind of just like the flavor. Um, you've uh, introduced me to them a little bit. Uh, I have a few that uh, I've kind of cemented as some of my favorites, but I'm definitely new to the game, and uh, I like uh, experimenting. Excellent, most Perfect. excellent. I definitely want to hear about what you. You like, definitely, since you mentioned something about flavors, I definitely want to hear about that. Uh, what we're going to do today, folks, is normally we'll do a two-bottle blind. I think we're going to switch it up a little bit today, and we're going to – I got a three-way blind set up for, for Kyle and for Mike today. Um, they do not know what's in these glasses. Um, I would ask these two guys to judge these three on smell, on taste – and on finish. And I'm gonna ask that you guys grade them one to 10, 10 being the best, one being the worst. Sound easy? Oh, I don't know if I could do this, I Jeff. I don't know, I need my engineering, I gotta get my engineering background going. Engineering. <clears throat> so here's um, some of the things that when people do their blinds, Jeff has uh, his distinct way of doing one to ten. And as you guys are starting to recognize, Jeff and I have very differing personalities. We very probably are the opposite ends of uh, lots of spectrums. But I think as we talked before, I do my blinds using a five-point system. And they're graded one to ten in five different areas. So when I'm doing my blinds, I am a fella who does uh, obviously the smell first, the aroma. I'm going to spend a lot of time on that. Um, I've learned very well to learn how to drink. My first drink is while I'm breathing inward, and I'm also smelling on my first inhale drink. So it gets a grade 1 to 10 of aroma, and then it gets an initial flavor. What do I taste initially? Right, That's my second criterion. Somewhere along the way, I'm going to uh, address the viscosity, the thickness of it. All right. And that's going to get another grade. If you're really thin, if you're 80 proof, I'm probably not going to grade too high because I really like, I like the hundreds, I like the 115s, and I sure do like the 130 and 120 proofs. The fourth thing I'm going to go ahead and take a look at is now the second flavor that comes through. There's always going to be for me a second flavor that I catch on the back end. Is it strong? Is it oak? Is it sweet? Is it bitter? Is it spicy? And how much does that really affect the overall experience? And then, of course, lastly is going to be finish, lingering, maybe even a burn. And if it's burning, if it's young, if you could tell that it's young, you're 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 not going to get graded well. So I have a five point system. Yeah. How about just, you? Just how about to, you? To yep. keep things simple for this blind today, I'm just going to ask you to do a one to ten, just to keep it simple. You Mike, Mike, okay. Mike is an engineer, and he likes to add decimal points and fractions. <laughs> Um, you know, this bottle might get an 8.375 and a half, um, but just for simplicity reasons, keep it uh, 1 to 10. Um, 
migrating is a little less complex than his is. I, I tend to do it um, like your school grade system, um, where, where it's like 100% to, let's say, 95% is an A+. Plus. Then you move into your A, A-, minus, B, B+, plus, and so forth. Um, it, I guess it is a little complex when you look at it because... I tend to be a little bit harder on certain bourbons than others. But mm -hmm. guys, when we do these blinds, I'm going to ask that you move left to right and left to right only. So whenever you guys are ready, I'm going to ask you to pick up your left glass and have at it. Here we go. And here we go. So we start there. Yep. And, and please, by all means, describe to the listeners what you're smelling, tasting, etc. And also Kyle, who's a little bit young and new with it, but <clears throat> we're definitely going to give him a shot at telling us what he smells. So I got a little bit of caramel there right up front. Absolutely. A little bit of oak, a little bit of soft. I was going to say very earthy scent there, and I could uh, I can agree with that with the kind of a sweetness with the caramel scent there. Okay. Very good. Very good. Whatever that is, the second flavor just sucks. Are you kidding me? Don't like it. I, I think I think listeners, I think what we're gonna have is we're gonna have a an awe moment for, for one of these guys here. Um, because what I've done in these blinds in looking at my, my co-host's face here is is uh mm -mm. It, it's gonna really hit this guy really hard. Well, I mean, that's why you do the blinds. That's the beauty of it. The beauty of a blind is I can sit here and I'm just looking at a Glen Cairn. I'm looking at amber. I'm looking at brown. It does have a nice nose. There's nothing wrong with the nose of this first one. Okay. <clears throat> first flavor has... Last week, guys, we talked about blinds and, and, the, and the benefits and the cons of uh, of doing blinds. So this is a straight bourbon. It's definitely not a rye. It has almost a four grain taste to it. Ooh. It's dry right in the middle. Mm. And uh, the finish is okay, but it um, it's got a little bit of legs. How's the finish on yours? Um, as opposed to what Mike was saying with uh, the second uh, flavor being worse, I actually like it more as I continue to sip on it so okay. um i'm liking this it's smooth uh the scent is very uh very pleasant overall i like it okay yeah so the the bottle i poured for you guys is one of my favorites as well so uh, i have it it's going to be one of those that well you can have it so when you're ready move into your second glen um score them up and we'll move forward all right, Kyle's. That Kyle's, was that. That's Kyle's that first one it. was only like a ninety proof. Okay, well, was I think a, you're going to be pleasantly surprised. <clears throat> I don't think it was a hundred proof. That's <laughs> fine. Yeah, it's probably you probably put Eagle Rare on there. I'm like, oh, that, uh -oh. that does suck. Uh oh, I can tell you, folks, that Eagle Rare is not in this competition today. Because I would have picked that one out and been like, yeah, nope. and you would have loved it, and then you would have been kicking yourself in the ass because you hate it so much. Then you should you blinded then, it. Then you should have put it in. You should have put it. In. <laughs> And I would have, oh, if you blind me, Eagle Rare, I'm all in. That'd yeah. be, that's yeah. that should be, I can't say it's the next one, but someday. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And folks, we want to hear from you guys. Oh, if, if you like our nice current one. structure of, of doing the bourbons, 
um, the, just the reviews or if you like us doing the blinds, we are definitely open to, to your feedback on this. Oh, this one I like better. Oh, really? How about you, Kyle? I think the the scent is on par. It's a little bit – it's not as sweet, but it still kind of has a uh, – still that earthy scent to it, I'd say. Okay. Are you getting any other cinnamon? Are you getting oak? It's you heavy oak. Certain, certain flavors out of it? I would say heavy oak. Okay. I like the taste more, but it has a little bit more of a bite to it, at least on that initial taste. Okay. And I will let you know that that is also one of my favorite bottles. Mike's deep into the scoring right now. He's you should see this, folks. It looks like it a does not engineering document being transposed in front of me. There's geom geometry involved. It looks like there might be a little trig somewhere in there. Uh, I think he's drawing a right obtuse angle right now. Which I'm not, I'm not sure it even exists. <laughs> I don't even know if I like this one. Oh. And when you're ready, just I move like, into the I, third. I like it barely as much as the other one. Okay, and I think we have a different opinion on the uh, other side of the table here. Mike's going in to cleanse his palate with some absolute pure mountain water. Oh, Mike's going in for the A little bit thicker. A little bit. A little bit. A little bit more amber to it. Now, this is the one for you that I'm not 100% sure you're even going to like. If you like this one, I'm going to be really shocked. Well, the first two were both bourbon, straight bourbons. Okay. I can tell you that all They're of them are Either bourbons. single proof. Okay. Either yeah, single barrels. I didn't mix it up and put any rise in there or blended whiskeys. I would have picked that up, and so far I haven't. This one's got a... More fruit up front. More fruit. More I can agree candy. to that. More candy. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. Cinnamon. I'm getting cinnamon. Okay. Fruity, yeah. Okay. No cinnamon for me. I'm, I'm looking at the scoring sheets here, and I see Kyle's got a you know five or six numbers jotted down, and like I said, Mike has got a full fledged. I only have five rows. Document. Five rows. <laughs> one through ten. <laughs> times two. But what, what you guys are going to learn about my co-host is he is extreme when it comes to blind scoring. Mm -hmm. Extreme. Oh, wow. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. Oh, I got a wow. What was that about? That's yeah. good? Oh, he likes it, folks. I like he it. Likes yeah. It. yeah. I like this. That's one. good. Oh, they're both on this par with it. This is better. This tells you that all the hype of all these bottles that everyone thinks and talks so much about. It really comes down to what's in the glass. I, I can't yeah. wait to reveal these bottles to you guys. <laughs> no, this these are the not the reactions part. that I thought I was going to receive. I am so happy because <laughs> I feel the whole reason that I even like doing bourbons and in this bourbon industry is this exact thing that we're doing, Jeff. Oh, yeah, I 100% I, agree. I believe I'm a blind guy. I love sitting in the blinds. Uh, last night, the other night, I put up... <clears throat> 114 proofs, 114, 115, 116. We did, ready, yeah, folks, have. a Weller full proof went against Old Granddad 114. Went against Wild Turkey Rare Breed 116 proof, right? Well, your mouth was on fire. No, it wasn't. No, those no. that's right in my wheelhouse. That's Those are my some of my favorite bourbons. They all scored within... 
point and a half of each other. Mm -hmm. They were all in that nice uh, mid eight range, early to mid eight. And I guess what it, the punchline was, I'm sitting there saying for any folks out there, blind tasting proved it to me that if you can't afford or you can't find a Weller foolproof, next best thing, go grab a wild turkey rare breed. Go okay. grab yourself an old granddad 114 and you're not far away. Now, Weller... You're far away on the price, that's for sure. Yeah, but now a Weller store pick, a Weller barrel pick, a country mile difference. I've had store picks and barrel picks that are, I mean, not even on the same planet. The regular foolproof, and I got to say this, my Weller foolproof, when I first cracked it open, stiff. It was a stiff drink, mm. okay? Now that it's sat and I'm halfway or two-thirds down that bottle... It's, it's now it's coming in. And, and that's something I want to talk with you about on a later show is is what makes these store picks different than just, just, just your regular everyday bottle off the shelf. Mm -hmm. you know, I, I've, I've heard so many mixed reviews about it. Um, okay, so it looks like Kyle has completely drank his third glass in... Almost all of his second glass, and there's still, it looks like the original amount in the first glass. Uh-oh. Uh, um, it looks like Mike has polished off his third glass as well. So this is definitely going to be a surprise to these guys. Um, and scores are being tabulated as we speak. Mike is deep in thought. He's got the calculator out. Kyle has got six numbers on the table. Here we go. Guys, when you get your scores tabulated, I'm going to ask that you give me your worst bottle first. What scored the lowest? The highest bottle wins. So what scored the lowest for you, Kyle? Lowest for me was definitely that uh, was that second one. The second one. Yeah. How about you, Mike? I got the first one. The first one. Okay, mm. so because we have difference, yeah, definitely the first one was um, it was drier. It has a four grain taste to it. It does not give me anything on the second half of the taste that I enjoy. It. I don't this like is the first one. Yeah, I don't like a. Uh, I've it's all comes down to palate, folks. Mm -hmm. And after a while, when you tune your palate to a certain way, I think I wrote when I was blogging about this uh, earlier last week. Uh, someone had a question that related um, to saying, you know, chasing bottles. And to say, one of the things I came back and said was, "Look, know your palate. Just get to know your palate. Spend time with it, and find what really works for you." Because what I've learned is, if I go in a store. And I see a new guy with a Me Too, okay, and it's 85 or 90 proof with a shiny gold label and a silver cap and a nice little $100 price on it because it's so special. If it's not my wheelhouse, if it's 85 proof, 15 year, okay, eh, okay. But if you're in 115 proof or you're a full proof or a barrel proof, eh, okay, you got my attention. If you're a rye that is in 115 to 130 proof, <laughs> I got to give it a shot. But we all made that mistake when we were coming up and just starting it. We're chasing the hype, the, the, the Me that's Too okay. bottles. Yeah, you know, so, fine. I mean, I find sometimes when I'm in a store and I see a Me Too bottle in somebody's hand and I say something about it, that they kind of give you the stink eye. So I've learned just to, hey, 
Spend your money. Sorry, you're going to be disappointed. Store didn't hire me to be their expert. <laughs> I, right. I, I keep That's it nice right. and quiet. And That's you know right. what? If they're reaching for a bottle that I really, really like, uh, then I'll, you know. Okay. Then I'll then I'll say, oh yeah, you, you really grabbed a good one. So, but if someone someone grabs, I'm I'm not going to lie to you. So Abraham, John, all the Bowman brothers, yep. good bottles. Okay, out of Virginia. Right? Those aren't bad bottles, but they're not my palate. Sure. Someone picks one up. I'm not. Hey, it might be their palate. Gotcha. Not saying a word. All right. So since we have like right, so differences. This, no. So this first one is going to be, I rated it a seven out of okay. 10. Okay. And Kyle, what did you rate your first one? I also rated seven out of 10. A seven. Okay. seven out of seven, 10, which is seven. fine. That was, that was, so I got a, I got a seven in it. So number one is going to have a total score of 14. Bottle number two. What did you get? Bottle number two. That was my lowest scoring as a six. And I gave it a seven and a half. All right. So that would put us at a 13 and a half. Bottle number three. I gave bottle three a nine. And I wow. gave it and I gave it an eight. So wow. that's 17. Uh, no, I actually, gave, yeah, I gave it an eight. So that's a 17. So bottle number three for is us today winner. is our winner. So reveal to us bottle number two. Bottle number two, folks. Here we go. Seventeen ninety-two. Age twelve years. Twelve year. Okay. Wow. Okay. Well, there it is. The twelve year, seventeen ninety-two, fresh off the shelf. So the smell on it, I gave it a uh, an eight and a half. It was really a great, great smell up front. Okay. That first flavor for me is right there in the middle. It's just a middle flavor. Uh, gives me a lot of oak. Doesn't do nothing spectacular for me. The viscosity is it was down a little bit low. It's not as thick as I like it, so it kind of got a little bit lower rating. Right. It was on the back half that um, you could tell that this that was a twelve year, but it, it gives a, a little bit of a dry and it has a fall off to it. Now, for a twelve year age statement bourbon, that should have longer legs for me. Okay, how did you tell that was a twelve year? Because I, I couldn't. You but, couldn't. I couldn't. But what I'm saying is. It was a. You felt it had some age to it. It had some age, but if if that's a twelve year, that should lay longer in my throat, and it has a. To me, this has a short finish. Yeah. Now, see, I love everything seventeen ninety two. I know you do. I, I know you it. do. Um, I would have probably scored this high. But the seventeen ninety, I love that you put this in here. By the way, because it is Thank not you. my wheelhouse. This is a great blind choice for me. Um, I am a seventeen ninety two foolproof guy. <sighs> Which I love, but I'm I'm so glad you put this in. Um, I caught what saved this for me was the middle. The middle of it held nicely, okay, very nice in the middle, which told me it was aged. It told me it was beyond four years, obviously. And then in the end, it had no burn. I got to be honest, it didn't have any burn. So I'm gonna I pour it, myself a glass. So I gave it. So I gave it a nice score in the end for burn, and but and that's why I got a seven and a half. All right now, so for you guys on your take. On your take scale, when you go one through ten, everyone knows that a seven is a decent score. It's a nice score. It's not a bad bourbon by any means. Okay, there's nothing wrong with a seven, and you're going to share it. An eight is a ooh, I'd like to have that. I'd share that with friends, and I, I think it's a pretty good bourbon. A nine is a absolute must-have. God amongst gods, you know, just the one of the very best. Can, can I ask you guys? Did you guys get a sweet smell on the yep. beginning of this? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. No, yeah. all of them got nice. Hey, uh, actually, the highest ranking out of all these 
was my aroma. The aroma is just fantastic. No ethanol on any of them, which tells me that you put some fucking nice bourbons out in front of us. I certainly did. You did. And and I'm not afraid to say because there was no ethanol, I knew it was going to come down to my first, second to sort of figure it out. This this is a sit by the fire kind of bottle to me. Out in the driveway or in the backyard or patio, sit by a nice warm fire. Now it's got a little bit of heat to it. I wouldn't pay more than 50 bucks for whoever was my blind, whoever was in number two. I, I called it a 50 to $60 bottle. It was nice. And that's what this was. Just like that. That's what this was. Well, Bubble. That's gotcha. what this was. This was your typical 50 to $60 bottle. Now, what scored Say, second? Well, my lowest score, that was bottle number one. And you had it right next to it at number one also. That yep. was your okay. second by a little bit better. What it, was... And that scored, what, a 14? Yeah. So was, just one point over. Half a point over. I think So these gonna, are effectively tied. I think you're going to be disappointed, Mike. I don't care. It is what it is. Wild Turkey 12 here, ladies and gentlemen. You should see the look of disappointment on his face right now, folks. There is sheer disappointment on his face. This bottle is so high on his love list that I think I just broke the man's heart. I am so sorry I did that to you. Um, (laughs) Wow. Ooh, I told you this was going to cause some controversy. I'm so, oh, he's going in for another pour. He's got to reevaluate. I'm so unhappy with you right now. I'm so fucking unhappy with you right now. You know, there's a, you're lucky you're my brother. Oh, you are lucky you are my I certainly bro- am. The, uh, Kyle, did you like this? I liked it. Uh, absolutely. Um, Such an asshole. I like the first one better, so the 1792. Uh, you like seventeen ninety two more than Wild Turkey. I mean, that's how I blinded it. Wow, you know, that's just how that's what my interpretation was today. Tomorrow it, it could be different. No, he know. liked he liked Wild Turkey twelve more than seventeen. Okay, oh, did I mix those up? I must yeah. have. Yeah. yeah, and this is a beauty of the blinds. You know, I was a huge opponent of blind tasting because I was just kind of stuck in my ways. But since you've kind of opened my window to these blinds, I think that uh, this is. Definitely. Next week? This is crazy. I'm blinding you. Oh, yeah. I can't wait. I can't wait. We just reset our agenda for for what's going on for next week because I I love this. I love that you did it. I love that I I tasted a four-grain taste to it. I did taste full age to it. Again, I gave this a nice upfront for aroma. Um, The viscosity is 101. Wild Turkey, age 12 year, comes out of Japan. The proof, right? Or, it, it, excuse me, it's only sold overseas. Correct. Okay, so it's really hard to get you guys out there and uh, listening to us. Mm, I could tell you I can get you a bottle, but I can't tell you how I got it. But I can <laughs> tell you that um, it's a good bottle. It's it, a fantastic bottle for sure. What happened to me was this was my very first pour of the morning. Oh, let the excuse train come in, folks. Look out. <laughs> Look out. Here it comes. 
Because now that I'm taking gulps of this. Because I think his heart is broken. So now he's trying mm. to fix his own heart. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm going back to it. Oh, that's actually <sighs> good. All right. So look. We you know, know your heart you know, is Jeff, so broken. I, I, I'm gonna go do 20 push-ups in the corner because yeah, yeah. I need to discipline myself uh, for for being such a bad mackerel. Yeah, yeah, that was a bad. Uh, you know what? I'm a fish on the deck right now, flopping. That's you, what I. You I that's, I'm are. a fish on the deck, flopping right now because you've got utter disappointment in your, uh, you know your what? demeanor. You hurt my feelings. I'm telling you. I'm so sorry. I hurt your feelings. <laughs> I'm not gonna convert. I'm not gonna change my pronoun. But I will tell you what that. <laughs> 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 that hurt on a level as bad as when I blew my M22 rock crusher in my 65 GTO on Grashit. Just blew my reality when I turned a premier transmission racing 100 and 140, 130. I was up to racing, and I turned that transmission into glass. Ouch. And you talk about making your whole body just fall into its seat. like. So th- this bottle is doing giving you the same feeling? Yes. Oh, my God. I feel like I'm Wait holding, find I'm out holding the onto is. a four-speed hearse. Hey, I'm holding onto a four-speed hearse shifter, and as I am listening to glass mix and shatter underneath me, I'm holding it, and I'm feeling that glass shatter. Uh, you've hurt my feelings. I'm devastated. Wild Turkey 12 is what I consider one of the babies. And when you put it in a blind, it just, the second half of it just tasted grainy to me. Now, so I'm not getting that. And I'm not getting as much now, but I also think I'm being influenced by the bottle and the label. So folks out there, you just learned the foolproof truth from Mr. Mojo Mike himself. You can be fooled and don't be fooled by the labels. So the next one I'm going to reveal is going to be the winner of the blind. And I'm going to tell you now, this is a brand that my co-host historically has shit on, has historically not liked. And I don't think he would ever own a bottle up until the time I'm going to reveal this. So, without further ado, okay, Knob Creek 12. Knob Creek 12. I do not own a Knob Creek. I think he's going to get one. Um, now remember, this isn't in the comparative study. The fact that Knob Creek 12 comes off sweeter up front. Such a great bottle, folks. I definitely recommend one. It's sweet up front. Um, what is the proof on that? We are looking at 100 proof. It's another 100 proofer. So I gave the viscosity roughly the same, but because it was sweeter on the back end, a little bit sweeter on the back end, and again, all three of these, not a single burn on the back end, no ethanol on the front end. So Jeff was... And is and continues to be very sneaky about these things. <laughs> so, so when we move oh, you got our, me. I'm just gonna say, putting fucking Knob Creek 
and Wild Turkey 12. This was a hard one because I'm going to tell you what. I had six bottles lined up, and You're every an one asshole. of them was a 12-year. I had asshole. the Weller 12. I had the Black Saddle 12. And I had um, – <laughs> excuse me. And I also had uh, – where's my other 12-year bottle I had? Um, the Black Saddle, the Weller 12-year – and there was one other 12-year. I can't remember which one it you was. Just oh, I'm sorry. The Clyde Mace 12-year. You just wait. And oh, next week is so going to be so much fun. So this is going to lead into our next topic of whiskeys we regret buying. <laughs> and, and I think we all know what's on uh, Mojo's list there. Yep. Let's the wild back. Tricky After the break, we are going to hit you guys with our next topic. It is whiskeys we regret buying. We'll talk to you guys. And welcome back after a short break. Kyle has stepped out of the show. Uh, folks, I got to really tell you here, this that last segment really, really caused a problem. Uh, my co-host is not even looking at me right now. I, I think totally, he is so totally just going to sit and stare into the abyss. I am not looking at your pumpkin head. Oh, I'm man. not even staring at that you. That is such a beautiful thing. <laughs> That's such a beautiful thing. I now, to make up, now, to make up for it, he came back and he dropped me a Bardstown rye. Uh, read the label. What do we got here? What am I? Actually, I put it back on the shelf. It's um, it's the green label Bardstown rye. Tell me all about it. I uh, don't know too much about it. I just got it for Father's Day from one of my wonderful sons. Um, yeah, it's so right. Oh, it's all right. I oh, definitely yep, just yep, yep, yep. put oh, it in the glass for you to try. Sweet, sweet. Oh, nice. Very nice. Mike's doing his full-fledged review. No ethanol up in the front. Maybe he'll no turn around. no heat in the back. Now, <laughs> this has got a, a curious, this has got a curious fruit flavor to it. That, oh, let me try and hit it. Wow. Okay. What really does well for this one. This Mikey likes it. Well... There's no upward spike of of hard oak or ethanol right in the middle. This stays consistent fruit. I get a just a little hint of vanilla chocolate, a little bit of chocolate right there in the center, and it comes off in the end, and it just finishes with a decent linger. There we go. This is nice. Now, now this is unique. It's different than your normal um, American white oak bourbon okay which i've learned um that i'm okay with but when you have something like this that comes in uh, you you can you you could sit i could i could see myself sitting <sighs> this would be after a good turkey hunt this would okay. be after being out in the woods a lot of walking and a whole lot of sitting and contemplating. And then you come back to something as fresh as this to freshen you up. This is a really, really good bird. So that Wild Turkey 12-year wouldn't be one of those for you? <laughs> no, 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 no. The Wild Turkey 12-year is more for me in the wintertime. Okay. It is uh, because you have that dryness. That It's a dryness right in the center and it's summertime. Well, maybe next time I, I blind you this wild turkey, I'll blind it to you in the wintertime. No, no. <laughs> I, I've, already, I've already shit the bed. Oh, shit. Um, uh, you've destroyed every inkling that I've had. You, you've taken my my grift. Uh, you smashed it. 
It is a squirrel that's flattened in the middle of the road. Uh, you did that to me, and, and and you can't take it back. Okay. Uh, <laughs> oh, I, I want to get your opinion on some whiskeys that you regret buying, and and why. Um, maybe let's do two or three of them. Really? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I can, I can tell you right out the gate, Stranahan's Diamond Peak is probably one of those whiskeys for me that I totally regret buying. Keep going. Uh, just based off the price being 80 bucks, I thought, I don't have a Stranahan's on the shelf. Why not grab one? Let's try it. Let's see what this is about. What happened? It's Well, it's made in Colorado. Uh, I poured a glass, instantly regretted it, wanted to take it back, but unfortunately, you can't return open alcohol. <laughs> Should have poured it down the drain. See, I thought it was out of New York nope, with Colorado. Baby Hudson, which Colorado. was my worst. Colorado. Fuck me. I've never, I've cleaned several of my drains now with my Hudson. Nice. And hey, if you like, if you like, <laughs> if you like Stranahan's, that's great. I'm glad you like it. Just for me, it was a bottle I totally regret buying. Mm. Um, and just to solidify my point, I, I served this up uh, one night during our draft and, uh, I think everybody turned their nose up at it. Like, what the fuck did you just give us? And when I showed it to them, everybody unanimously was just like, dump that shit down the drain. I did not. It's still sitting on the shelf in case somebody wants to try it. So that's definitely something that I uh, decided is one of my worst whiskeys to buy. Uh, Moving into my second whiskey, I'm probably... (sighs) I probably have to say it's the Bell Mead. Uh, really not impressed with the Bell Mead price range, flavor. Definitely not one for me. Paid about seventy bucks for it. Overall flavor, it's the sour mash bottle, white and red label. Got the fancy two horses on the uh, on the label. One that I probably wouldn't buy again. And I think my, my co-host just moved into a bottle that he regrets, so he had to go pick it off the shelf. And uh, he's solidifying the reason why he doesn't it. like it. <laughs> so Kentucky Owl Confiscated That's was my first uh, post $100 purchase. Yeah. And that's the one of the bottles you gave me. Well, we traded. Yes, we did. I probably traded it for something far less in value, but... As far as my taste in bourbon value goes, um, I, I just can't put, put it this way. Um, so Jeff has, like I said, over 300 bottles. I have, and I keep my bottle range between 30 and 40. Um, I do focus on quality. So if you saw my range, there's an awful lot. There's EHT barrel proof. There's, you know, you've got your pappies and you've got your certain bookers. You've got your certain midwinter drams. Um, And it takes up a lot of my shelf space. So when I have a Kentucky Owl sitting there, what I'd be afraid of is someone says, oh, I wanted to try that one. And they're disappointed. And uh, I find the Kentucky Owl confiscated disappointed me because it's so harsh on the end. Um, I've tasted thirty and forty dollar bourbons that are just as good. It's a label, it's nice, but it's not spectacular. That so, was my. That's my regret. Um, another regret for me is going to be <clears throat> the Rabbit Hole Derringer. 
Now, I bought this rabbit hole with three other ones while we were on a distillery tour about two years ago, the wife and I. Sandy. <clears throat> I picked this bottle up. Just, it, it was one of those things where I I have so many bottles, I like to, to keep them grouped up. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Go ahead. No, nope, I'm not going to touch Give it, it to me. No. Nope. Give it to me. He was going to trombone me, folks. He was going to give me the wah, wah, wah. <laughs> You see, he he is a he is a big time lover of the Derringer, and um, I, I am not a, a, a favorable guy to the blended whiskeys, especially with a, a sherry. Especially, well, it, it, it's stored oh. in a, uh, a sherry cask. That's it, your finish that you didn't love. I I kind of no. I, I hate it with my bean, and, and I. That's okay. I, I have a reason why I think you like the sherry cask so much, but I'm not going to discuss it on air. I'll tell you after the show is over. Not true. Uh, <laughs> it's a sweetness. It's a sweetness. Okay. And I'll and tell you no, later. No, it's only 93 proof. It's horrible. Dump it. I don't like that. You can't if help I want that a glass we had six guys sitting around and it got voted and it won our very, no, that's not very first Blind bourbon, yes, but it won we flat younger. out with the average of six people, sure, with <clears throat> varying tastes and overall. Oh, absolutely, and it did let's, win. Let's not knock down the. Let's not knock what rabbit I, hole is doing. Wait, I'll tell on. you this: if I what? want a glass of wine, I'll pour a glass of wine. That's how I feel about this this bottle. It's just it's too wine forward to me. I don't like that sherry and sweetness. I, and, and and five out of six folks calls called that. The smoothest, easygoing, nice flavored bourbon, hey, which God is hey, hey, and they're and they're hitting their mark. So Rabbit Hole hit their mark for that. It didn't hit your mark because you you really like your white oak, and yes, I sir. know that about you. You love your white oak. Yes, That's sir. why something like this Kentucky Owl confiscated should work well for you. Didn't work well for me. Right. I'm more of your traditional bourbon. Palette. Well, white white oak Kentucky bourbon. Yes, for sure. I don't like the the even like Scotch with the peatedness in it. I can't do it. Oh, look at the face. I, I would take this back from you. Really? It isn't bad. Well, it's sitting on the shelf. Kentucky it's oak or, or Kentucky owl confiscated. I wouldn't take it back. I wouldn't crush it. But is there a certain batch number on it? I would put this right next to. Believe it or not, hey. Your uncut, unfiltered, um, what is that? Your high west? What's that called? The smoke wagon. Smoke wagon. Okay. I would put this right next to the smoke wagon. Now, are there any other bottles that you regret buying? Is there one more? Um, I think I tried to get too clever. I think I. This guy, this guy's. I'm pouring it on today. Um, I think I got too cute too early and started getting into some of the makers' marks, um, some of their upper echelon stuff, some of their newer stuff, and I didn't really appreciate what they're doing. All the different oak staves and stuff. Okay. I think I went after two or three of those, a couple more extra French oaks versus blah blah blah, and that money just got pitched out the window because a I didn't know what I was tasting. And um, B, I just uh, didn't like it, didn't appreciate it. Now, okay. I also ran through, I was pretty enamored by Old Forester 1910. And to be honest, when I was hunting a few years ago, I'm sitting in the woods, sitting in the woods, 
So is this a model that you definitely are happy well, that you purchased? Yeah, the 1910 is just a very balanced, very character. To me, in the winter, an outdoor oaky taste, nice, strong oakly taste, is at 1910. I, I do catch a touch of banana on the smell. It's the first bottle I ever smelled something other than oak and caramel and cotton candy. It was bananas. And I was like, huh, well, that's really unique. But when you're sitting out there all day, sometimes you got to warm the bones. Okay, so I'll warm the bones with a little sip. I do not advocate holding a firearm and drinking a lot of alcohol. Let's just make that very clear. Okay, folks? I made a clear exclamation point. But, it's actually against the law, I believe. But I'm sorry to say, 10, 20 degrees, we're in northern Michigan. It's cold out there. Okay. Anyways, punchline is I went through the old Forester lineup, 1897, 1870, 1920. Take me through it all. None of them. None of them rose to the 1910 level for my palate. I regret that I kind of ran through that because each one of them has a story. Each one of them has um, a different way of brewing. And I really, really love that old Forester. You know, they said to themselves, hey, back in 1870, we had a certain way of um, constructing our bottle of, of, of liquor. I want to taste, okay, that... It, and then all of a sudden you go to 1970, that's uh, almost 30 years later, they're going to reconstruct and change how they made their bourbon mash and how they made their bourbon. All right, let's taste it. You definitely could taste it. And it's kind of like going through a little mini history lesson to say, boy, whew, that's some, that's some harsh stuff that they were drinking in the 1800s. Oh, That's some real man juice. That hey, And remember, back then, 115 proof was their standard, whereas today our girly industry has 80 proof, right? So we're watered down, whereas back then they were 115 right out of the barrel. They didn't put any water in their stuff. Girly? I, yeah. I, I know some women that will outdrink you, my friend. Wish. <laughs> Anyways, but, hey, can I can I go one so 19, more? No, let, let, let's just finish the thought. Was yeah, nineteen ten, nice style. Nineteen twenty, prohibition coming. Or not actually. I take that back. Nineteen twenty was just a, a stronger, heavier proof. And uh, so, punchline is: if we're going to stay on the topic of items that we wish we didn't purchase, I'm going to stay with my Kentucky Hour confiscated. I felt like I wasted my first post hundred dollar purchase. And running through the entire Old Forester series, I, I think maybe I had to go through that. I think all of us go through that. I think all of us out there have to like kind of go through a process. Because where I landed, the Old Forester, the blue label, you have an Old Forester single barrel out there. It's a dark, it's a light blue label. I also learned I just absolutely hate it, but I love and I mean capital L-O-V-E, the green label, rye, 128 proof, cherry bomb, spice bomb of an old Forester rye. And <laughs> I love it. 
you could blind that and I'd pick it out in a heartbeat. And I know that really? you are the absolute uh, look at his fucking eyes light up. Oh, look yeah. at his fucking eyes light up. His eyes just lit up. Oh, I did because I just smashed him a little while ago with the wild turkey. Bring it on. Just Do it again. In. Oh, just bring it yeah, in. For sure. <laughs> hey, so go ahead. <clears throat> if I can, I gotta I just I got one more I gotta hit because you mentioned something. What about did you the yeah, I never asked you. Really? What what really just dropped your jaw and said, fuck, I just wasted a lot of money? It's not so much about the money for me. It's about what happened. What do you mean? Tell me about it. Okay, picture, if you will, sometime right around 1870, 1875, you're sitting in a room and it's got the old shiplap siding, the old wood panel. The floor is wood. You've got this old rickety dresser on the wall. You're sitting on a, a twin metal bed, <clears throat> real janky, squeaky, with these yellow curtains tied up on the side of the window. The window's halfway open. And, and this is my dream. And I'm dreaming, like, what the hell am I doing in this dream sitting on this bed? Well, the door, it, it's one of those old six-panel doors, and it's cracked open. And I'm sitting in there. And the next thing you know, some force came in, threw me to the ground. And I was sleep paralyzed. I was absolutely lifeless. The only thing I could do was make the sign of the cross on whatever the hell kind of force this was, shoulder. Or what I perceived to be its shoulder. And I did this like three or four times and it finally released me and I woke up scared to death. And I thought, what in the hell was that? And I'm going to tell you the reason why it was that 1792 small batch. Okay. So you're saying, wait, wait. You're saying that you drank 1792 small batch. Yes. You fell into a slumber. Yes. You went into a deep dream. Absolutely. And you were paralyzed and lived a nightmare. A demonic nightmare. This demon was trying to take me. And I, when I woke up, I had mentioned it to my wife, and I talked to you and a couple other people about it. And they're like, you're full of shit. And I thought, you know what? Maybe it was just a bad nightmare. So what did you do? I drank again, 1792, <laughs> for, uh, small batch. About two weeks later, mm. and I'm telling you, as mm. I'm sitting here looking at you, the same damn nightmare occurred. And so I will not drink 1792. And if anybody ever blinds it to me and I find out we're going to have a major issue because I, I have sworn that bottle off. So help me, God, don't ever blind me on it, because if I have another demonic nightmare, I'm going to die. All right, folks, we're going to go down into my our, on our Facebook page at Foolproof Truth. You guys go to Facebook. I'm going to set up a poll here. And you guys tell me, should I include 1792 Small Batch in the next plan with Jeff? <laughs> All right, folks. And hey, we're going to move into another topic after our break. We're going to bring Kyle back in. And Kyle's going to talk about something that's pretty hard for we. me. We're going to talk All to Kyle about. All three of us yes. have the same common thread. This is true. We do. And, and we're going to talk what? to Kyle about uh, being raised by a parent suffering from alcoholism. You know, what what effects that had on him and how it maybe changed his life a little bit. How about this? How about this? All you folks, get prepared. There's going to be a couple of you out there that have felt 
Matter of fact, you live it. It's not just a feeling. You live it. Your parents, they're alcoholics. They're violent. They're nonviolent. They're depressive. They're suicidal. They're real. And you have to live it. And you're staring at this saying, why? Well, we're going to talk about that on the flip side. So stay tuned and we'll talk to you when we come back on the Foolproof Truth Bourbon with Mike and Jeff. And we're back with the Foolproof Truth Bourbon podcast. Um, we all went and got ourselves a couple fresh cracks, and we're going to sit down and we're going to have a rather serious conversation. Um, all the folks out there who are listening at this moment, we're going to talk about parents. We're going to talk about our parents. And the one thing that all three of us have in common is that they were all alcoholic parents and various degrees, various levels. You're about ready to hear an awful lot. What I highly recommend if you have or are dealing with an alcoholic parent or raised by alcohol or drug addicted parents, highly advise you grab yourself a bourbon, sit down and join us. Uh, this is the purpose of uh, our podcast is an oxymoron that we're talking about going to get a drink to talk about alcoholic parents. Short answer is yes, and fuck you if you don't like it, okay? Because sometimes when you're sitting around the comfort of your friends, it doesn't hurt to have a drink in your hand to let out your emotions. Uh, and that's pretty much what we're going to do. So with that being said, uh, we all did go get a fresh crack. Jeff, what did you get? It's Russell's 13. Okay, Kyle, what did you go get? I got an Angel's Envy bourbon, uh, something that is kind of old reliable to me, one of the first I've ever tried, and I've always liked it. So, Hey, Mike, remember when um, Angel's Envy was my first one? And now look what happened. How about my... I, 300 I, I keep, bottles later. I keep recommending <laughs> Angel's Envy to all the very first folks. If you're going to try your first upscale, non-Jim Beam, non-Jack Daniels bourbon... Try Angel's Envy. You'll like it. It'll guide you nice and smoothly into the world of bourbons. I picked up not just the Russell's 13. Um, I think I walked over. What did you grab? Oh, you grabbed a rare breed. Wild turkey rare breed. Rare breed rye. Because you haven't had enough today. Rare breed rye would be a nice one. I like to have my rare breed rye. Something in that nice $50 range. That is a specialty. So... Uh, let me take us from the very, very top. I'm going to reintroduce to us our guest today is uh, Mr. Kyle. He is in Michigan with us. Uh, Kyle, tell us a little bit about yourself uh, from your college standpoint. What did you just finish up doing? You did something pretty big here in just a little bit. Go ahead. Yeah, so I just graduated uh, this past May with my Bachelor of Science in Mechanical Engineering. Uh, after that, Took a short little break and uh, made my way into the industry. I'm working in aviation right now and just really glad that I'm able to apply what I've learned and glad that uh, all my hard work's paid off so far. And I noticed that Kyle is one who does not drink. He doesn't drink a lot. He'll, 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 he'll do a little nip with us. It's pretty cool, uh, but he's not a heavy, heavy drinker. Tell me a little bit. You, after you graduated with your five-year degree, by the way, fucking congratulations. Thank you. Again. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. God bless America. Young man took it all by himself. No parental help. Did the whole thing from beginning to end by himself. Where'd you go as soon as 
you just came back from a trip somewhere. What'd you do? Tell me what you did. Yeah. So after I was done, I knew I wanted to, you know, find some sort of release after spending all that time working away at school, taking that time and grinding away. But I honestly, I went all, went all over the place. I really wanted to spend most of my time in uh, the Southwest. So spent some time in the Mississippi Gulf Coast, went over through uh, Texas, spent some time in New Mexico, Arizona. So you um, took a solo trip. You absolutely. took a road trip. Yep. You decided to leave Michigan. You said, I'm going a road trip. You did this by yourself? Yeah. That's pretty impressive because most people don't have the balls to do that by themselves. So you started, you went to Georgia first. I did, yeah. Give give, give the, the the readers out there, give us our, tell, give us a map. What'd you do? Where'd you go? So from Michigan, I drove down to Georgia. I had some family down there, spent some time there. Uh, went to Mississippi Gulf Coast, stayed a few nights there, spent some time on the beach before then. And- Granted, I'm 24 years old. I had never seen an ocean in my life before. Really? So, I mean, after college, I knew, like, I I had to go out and do something, you know. Okay. Was there family in these other states? Uh, in Mississippi, no. Georgia, I had some family um, from Mississippi. Went to Texas. I, we have a buddy, uh, Mike. He, uh, I've known him for a very long time. Me and his son uh, grew up together. We have another friend down in Texas. He's stationed out there in the Army, so I spent some time with him. I visited him. That was good to, uh, you know, see him. And then from there, went spent some time in New Mexico, Arizona, and Utah. I spent probably a total week and a half out there. Two wow. different trips to the Grand Canyon. Yep, yep. Spent nice. a lot of time at the Grand Canyon. Did a few hikes out there. What was that highlight hike, that the, the, the bridge you crossed? So... The bridge I think you're talking about was the Devil's Bridge. That's down in Sedona, Arizona. That was cool. It was a short, short little hike. Uh, definitely great view. If anyone ever gets a chance to go out there, I would highly recommend it. Very, very beautiful out there, especially uh, in April and May. So, so you went to the Grand Canyon now. At the Grand Canyon, not the Grand Canyon, I'm sorry. Did you do the Hoover Dam at all? I did not. You didn't. So at the Hoover Dam, there's this bridge. Uh, and it's really, really high up. And we were talking to our tour guide, and they had mentioned that people are actually committing suicide by jumping off this bridge. And I thought, holy shit, that's a huge fall into the water. Yeah, that's insane. Well, I would have, I tend to say that there's a lot of reflection goes on when you're sitting in a lot of nature. And that, oh, actually, I was going to ask you about that. You probably had a lot of time to reflect out there. Absolutely. Okay. And you said you said after the journey you've taken so far. Tell me a little bit about what it was like for you, though, and why your journey is quite a bit different than almost every other young American man out there. You had quite a different journey. How was your childhood, and what did you see? So growing up, my father, from a very young age, I realized he had a uh, a problem with alcohol addiction, alcoholism. Um, in the beginning, I almost perceived it as normal, at least how he interacted, how he acted. As I got older, uh, my mom, she sort of made it. How much alcohol a day? And it's hard to say because he was very secretive about it, as you would suspect. Are you an only child, Kyle? No, I have an older sister. Okay. Um, if I had to guess, 
he would probably go through at least a pint a day. So he was on the hard stuff. Oh, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. What I remember the most is he, he, he loved Bacardi for sure. That was his go-to. Find those around the house all the time. What was he doing? <clears throat> How old were you? From when I first realized, I was probably around five or six years old that I would say that I knew for a fact that my dad was an alcoholic. Five or six? Yeah. Wow. What did, what events happened in your house that were shocking to a five and six year old? So nothing abusive towards my sister or I, or my mother for that matter. My I would like to point out that my dad was never someone to take his anger out on someone else. More so himself. Self-destructive. Self-destructive, yes. Um, Daily. Was a working man, hardworking man. I'll give him that. Can't take that away from him. He is one of the hardest working men I've ever known. Would do anything to supply for his family. But with that, worked a lot of hours and come home almost every single day he was drunk and that's just how his personality was really that's drinking consumed him and made him who he was was he intoxicated during the work day or did this incur when he got home did it start when he got home or did he start drinking maybe before or during work from my understanding uh for the longest time I could remember, he was drinking at work. Okay. Was he in the automotive industry by chance? No. 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 Uh-uh. Okay. Uh-uh. Focus, focus, focusing back on childhood is uh, is what I understand because I was, like I said, my son is Kyle's age. So I coached you. Yeah. Right? Several sports. Several sport. What sports did we do together? First, I can remember was baseball, t-ball, t-ball, baseball. Group that together. Uh, basketball. Basketball. That was probably my favorite. Uh, Wasn't that fun? We did some flag football. Okay. Yeah. Oh, I remember the flag. Oh, yeah. you guys were something. Yeah, that was awesome. Yeah, that was fun. You were a little linebacker. It was. Uh, it was a good time. Yeah. Oh yeah. You, yeah. You, you coach. You coach us well. Taught us a lot. Well, thank you, sir. Um, I feel any parent out there, if you're listening, um, doesn't matter if you know the sport or not. I do, and I've always recommended mothers and fathers, if you have a child, coach them at least one time in your life. Just coach them. Be a coach. Be the one organizer. Be the one that tries. Your kid sees you. I mean, if you ever needed to put a cape on, they just... You know, it's a little bond you guys have. Yeah, because, of course, if your kid's a normal seventh batter and you put him up at fifth batter and put him in some positions that the other coaches wouldn't put in, that's not bad, but that's between you two. Um, when I had little men, and he was a little man, Kyle was a hardened, I could tell right away, you were a hardened young man real early. Could put you in position to do anything you wanted. Um positions to shine i specifically remember teaching you guys drilling you guys uh dribbling left-handed in fourth grade fifth grade pushing you guys left hand left hand left hand 
wouldn't let you guys dribble right hand. And then what we do? We we trap the other team. Yeah. And they would run to the right hand side and throw the ball. We had a play that you would steal the ball and. All right. Yeah, it was a little double team play. I forget the name of it exactly, but I know exactly. We had I know fun you're names. talking. We had fun yeah, names, we had didn't fun. we? It was fun. Yeah, <laughs> that's what it was all about. Yeah, it certainly sounds like it was a good time. It was. Now and and now, if you look back, you went home at the end of the day. Your dad's drunk. Yeah, and I mean, even with that, with the drinking, it was. Not just going home, getting drunk for the release. It's it's something that really consumed him, and that's all he really was. Because it took time away from his family. Because, but what did you 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 just got done playing a sport? You're on a Saturday. You're playing sports with all the other parents, and you come home. And what you what did you feel and see as a child? How that affect you? A lot of the times, either a he wouldn't be home yet because he was spending so much time working, and that was. You know, what I was also getting into is the lack of time that he actually put forth for his family and spending time with his kids, which on top of the drinking, that alone definitely affected me. And I would speak on my sister as well. Now, you know, during some of these like sporting events that you were partaking in, was he present in any of these? Hardly ever. Hardly ever. Hardly and, ever. and that has a serious effect on a kid because when you look out onto the stands and you see little Billy and Jimmy's dad and mom out there and, you know, they got somebody rooting for them and you don't. I mean, that that's that's a horrible thing. Yeah. I can understand well, that. Now I'm going to rotate over to you, Jeff, because you were at the same third, fourth, fifth grade. Okay? Yep. Your mom and dad, you have a dad who had come back from Vietnam, and so this is my uncle, right? I'm my Uncle John. I knew that he came back from Vietnam, and I knew it really, really destroyed him in a way that, you know, you're coming back home, you're a working man, he was a working man, that's probably going to get a job in the automotive industry anyways, but when you come back seeing what you saw, he fell into his alcohol and his drugs. But yeah. what did you see at fifth, fourth, and third grade? So contrary to what Kyle experienced, my father was an abusive man. And I think that had a lot to do with what he experienced in Vietnam. Um, he would not talk about it, but you can tell it was bothering him still. And back then, they didn't have a such thing as PTSD. They didn't recognize it. Um, first off, these guys weren't. Uh, welcomed back home the way soldiers are now. These guys were spit on, and they didn't they didn't want them. Um, so yeah, my father did partake in. Uh, he was a beer drinker for the most part, but he would take it to the extreme. Um, he would mix it with other stuff too. Yeah, occasionally. Sometimes they'd do some drugs and stuff. But but yeah. you're in second grade. You're in third grade. What did you see? Um. Abuse, abuse. Um, when a kid that age witnesses his dad putting an ass whooping on his mother um, in the living room to the point where she's bleeding out of her face and her head, pulling her hair out, um, uh, straddling her and physically close fisted punching her in her face to where her jaws broke, her nose is broke. 
Um, she's screaming for you to go call the police, God damn it. And you're so afraid to do it because if you step out of that room, you are going to get your ass whooped. Um, and I think that was partially on her as well. No, it wasn't. I, well, let me preface that because they were both drinkers. And I don't make any excuse for what he did, but her being a drinker too, she would poke the bear sometimes. Um, and by that, I mean she would do things to get under his skin and he would react that way Folks. because she was pissing him off and he would do things to get under her skin. And it always started with, hey, watch your little brother. We're going to go to the bar and have a drink or two, and then we'll be back shortly. Kyle, did you ever have your mother and your father drinking together? No. My mom, she didn't start drinking more often until she was older. When me and my sister were younger, especially me, she she kept away from the alcohol for sure. She almost had a fiduciary duty. Oh, uh, absolutely. To, to she be, felt she, she felt, felt the that, polar opposite. Yeah, she felt that since he, you know, acted a certain way or felt like he was entitled to a certain, sure. you know, was able to do that sort of thing, she felt like she had to stay away from it. Very, very, very rarely I had ever seen her so drinking. He, so hearing what Jeff has to say, maybe there maybe our, our folks that are listening with us out there. You can, uh, you can tune yourself in. There's a certain spectrum that we all live on. Um, you can really see the spectrum that Jeff saw and what he felt, what his emotion was as a child. Can you imagine going to school the next day? Your mom's jaw was broken. Can you even imagine? It's unbelievable. What'd I you mean, do? How'd you go to school the next day, Jeff? Um, I just packed up my shit and went to school, and I just carried on like nothing was going on um <clears throat> i'd have a certain family member call sometimes and, yeah excuse me uh would call sometimes just to check in and see how things were going and i was kind of forced to lie to that person <clears throat> um and tell me everything was great everything's good uh you know yes. hey, where, where's your parents at oh they're, they're they went grocery shopping you, you know you know you look back at it now and they knew they they weren't stupid they knew the parents were at the bar drinking and it wasn't just, you know, one or two drinks. Like I said, they, they'd be gone till 3 o'clock in the morning, and they'd come home, and they'd beat the shit out of each other most of the nights. Or they had gotten into a bar fight with somebody. Um, my dad was, he was a tough fucking guy, man. He was he was tough. He wanted to fight. He, that was his outlet. He wanted to drink and fight. But, and I'm not saying that he was a bad guy by any means. He was a family man. He worked hard for in the automotive industry during the 80s and the bankruptcies in the auto industries. He'd work 18, 20 hours a day, slept at the plants. But his release was drinking. And if, mine. if you cross that line, I remember, Mike, I remember uh, a neighbor down the road. His name was Andy. And Andy had said something to me as a kid and I was on my bike. So I went down and spoke to my dad about it. And I told him, I said, hey, Andy said this and that. And I'll be damned if the old man didn't grab his baseball bat and walk down the street to Andy. And he beat the shit out of Andy right in his front yard. He, I had never seen somebody get their ass beat like that before at that age. He, he beat this guy to a bloody pulp. Jeez. And he's. He said, I'll never speak to you like that again. You know what? You know, folks out there listening right now, <laughs> my, my concern right now at this 30 seconds is 
that this America, you're not ready for this. You're not ready to hear what real life is about when you have an alcoholic parent. Okay. Now we're going to come back on the flip side. We're going to talk a little bit more about this. If we've been shocked or knocked down, you better tighten up your pantyhose because uh, it's going to get worse. Hey, before we go to break, I just want to let you know, Mike, that I have never spoke about this before. I know. All right, folks. So let's come back. When we come back, we will uh, we'll continue our journey. And we are back at the Foolproof Truth Bourbon Podcast. This is Mike and Jeff. We have our guest, Kyle, with us. Today, we have talked on a couple of different topics. We talked about bourbons that we regret buying. We had a blind, a very... Disappointing blind for some of us. Uh, I was going to say tragic, but then based on our last segment... The word tragic has just lost all meaning compared to what we heard as we're talking about when you were raised and born and uh, as a child that has to live and grow up with a severe alcoholic. Um, this topic probably uh, we're going to do the user discretion advise. Um, if this topic is too real for you, then tune out. OK, take a break. Turn it off. We're going to continue the topic. You're going to hear stories of basically when a child's broke, okay? Alcoholism, drug use, breaks families, okay? There's no fucking joke about it, and there's no way to get around it. You got a child in the house, and, and that's the way you're going to be. You're going you're gonna to get yourself obliterated to the point that violence, police, brutality, that's going to become a way of life for a child, so I'm going to warn the folks, there's going to be a little bit more of that. But in the Foolproof Truth Bourbon, we have never shied away from tough topics. Um, and that's not going to stop now. So with that being said, I'm going to rotate back to Jeff. Jeff was telling us about his mom and dad and how in the past you guys have heard how Jeff had to protect his younger brother. We just heard how Jeff... Um, and his neighbors, and this was a normal way of life. But tell me a little bit, Jeff, about your brother, um, something that's happened to you that you watched that broke you as a child. Um, well, I wouldn't say it broke me, Mike. Um, I've grown to be such a hardened person sometimes that I don't think I'm broken, but... When I got into high school, probably my freshman year, I heard my brother was in a foster home, and I didn't understand why he had gone to a foster home. But in 94, my mother passed away, and my dad had met another woman, um, and together they partied and drank um, considerably more than my father and mother did. Uh, my brother felt the brunt of that relationship. Uh, my brother brought home some bad grades one day from school. <clears throat> and my dad got pissed off about it because he had been drinking. And it seemed like the drinking exacerbated his emotion um, to the point where he beat the hell out of my brother 
and my brother, I believe my brother was the one that called the uh, police. The police came in, arrested my dad for <clears throat> for child abuse. Um, he spent a couple nights in jail. My brother was placed in foster care uh, in a facility in Detroit. Um, some, I believe it was the boys' home. And he spent probably three to six months in there with other kids. He had no idea who they were, would bully them, would steal stuff from them. We eventually got, he got right um, and got into a foster home in Rochester with another kid. Um, excelled in school. And at that point, my father wanted to see him, wanted to visit him, wanted him back. And the system would not allow it. And it wasn't until my brother turned 17 or 18 before he was allowed back in the home. He left the foster care, <clears throat> did not finish school, went to live back with my dad because he felt that my dad was dependent upon him for mm -hmm. his day to day. So the folks out there that have, uh, there's got to be a folks that are relating to this. And I know that these are not the easiest things to talk about. You can, I don't want anyone to go on the Facebook page and start telling the stories about it. If you do have uh, those types of things, you can, you can private message, you can send notes to Jeff and I. Um, so we'll respond to you. Uh, we know we're reaching out. We know we're touching a lot of people. Kyle, you yourself, you had a moment yourself that just just broke you. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it was around just the same time as Jeff, uh, maybe around 7th, 8th, ninth grade sort of time frame for me. My dad wasn't abusive towards uh, me, uh, my sister, my mother. But I believe what broke me is it came to a certain point with his alcoholism that he was so dependent on it when he was trying to cut it out, his, his body couldn't handle it, you know, going through alcohol withdrawals to the point of having to take multiple hospital trips in and out of the hospital to the point where you're seeing him laying in his room and it looks like he's on his deathbed having to help him and aid him doing any sort of uh and how old basic human need in his 40s right he's only in his 40s or 50s he yeah he had to have been in his 40s because yeah he and how he old just, were you i was a teenager uh 12 13 14 years old maybe 11 12 13 14 somewhere around that time yeah have, i mean having to help him do basic needs around the house to take care of yourself, go to, Such as? go to the bathroom, help him up out of bed. So 13 year old, you got to help him pull his pants down, help him wipe his ass. Yeah. yeah. Really? Yeah. And he can't, well, he, he, he wasn't, he, he wasn't able to do it. I mean, granted it's not like this was for years on end. I mean, at the time it felt like it was longer. Cause and, when, and this is just because of the alcoholism. Yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, I mean, going through alcohol withdrawals and it was, I mean, he, he would relapse several times over. So, so was this causing now what, some of ask. his organs to maybe malfunction? I mean, yeah, absolutely. Mm. Yeah. Let me, let, let me go back to what, what Kyle was feeling, though. It's like after over and over, 
you, you just know that this is the next phase. It's never going to end. I mean, what'd you feel for the for the longest time? That's what I felt like. I mean, in the when I was when I was younger, elementary years, it was kind of to the point where he would just come home and he, he's wasted, you know. And then as time progressed, he got older. Financial issues. He started abusing alcohol more often, and then to the point where he's, you know, having alcohol withdrawals. It's 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 very very severe. Nothing, and you know, you you'll hear people talk about drug abuse and withdrawals from uh, crack, heroin, whatever it may be. I would beg to argue that alcohol withdrawals is among the worst that you could possibly see and experience. Okay. So let's take this 30 seconds. Um, I have, it may not be the moment for me to talk about my alcoholic dad and my drug, the father that I had growing up, um, the memories, the child breaking moments I have easily uh, match everything that these guys have. Um, maybe today is just not the moment for me to talk about it. Uh, just to let you guys know, though, I have experienced as bad um, face-to-face, right in front of you, combat ready. Um, what I want to turn my attention to, though, is there are listeners out there. You got a bourbon in your hand. You got a drink in your hand. You don't think you're as bad as this. You don't think that it's ever going to get that bad. Let me truly, truly give you that moment to say, back the truck up. Okay? So, everyone's going to come crush us. You're going to have your critics saying we didn't give out phone numbers for alcohol prevention and, you know, get a hold of this national yada yada. Guys, we're not that kind of a podcast, but I can tell you as the guy that's sitting right now listening to us, that does have a daily drinking and you know you have a fucking problem i'm talking to you okay i want you to recognize if you pull anything out of this podcast do you know the severe effect you're having on your child do you know the severe effect you're having on your mother father brother sister and your wife or your girlfriend can you look yourself in the eye and can you take yourself for a ride to say I have to go fight that withdrawal system because this is not me. I cannot become what I just heard. What you just heard was some raw emotion. Um, Can it get deeper? Absolutely. Um, Talking with Kyle, Mike, and myself, um, all parents, uh, I'm sorry, all guys who had suffered from the effects of alcoholism in our parents. Kyle, um, in getting toward the end here, what... Before, before we talk about and, and taking us through that with Kyle, sorry, sorry to jump in, but one of the important uh, aspects of sitting as a child looking up, it's not always dad who's a drinker. 100% agree. I mean, you could have an alcoholic mother. Um, you could have we gloss parents. that. And we glossed it pretty hard yeah. because how many alcoholic mothers, destructive mothers, bringing in 
male after male, single mothers, you're single and you have father figure after father figure after father figure step in front of you. Probably going to be a separate topic for us down the road, guys, that alcohol can have a monster effect in dealing with these issues. For sure. Um, Kyle, with your upbringing and the history that you just explained to us, what made you decide and when did you decide that that was not the path for you? Well, I think where I left off at with having to, you know, get to the point where my dad was, you know, going through alcohol withdrawals and seeing him at his lowest point and, you know, having the appearance of a very weak individual, weak man, that's something that I certainly knew that I did not want to mimic at all. And I wanted to stray away from that. Absolutely. So... It's just, it it was just something that I knew I couldn't do. And I had whatever was in my power, I had to veer away from that and pick my own path that was not dependent on. Do you want to have kids when you get older? Do you want to get married and have kids? I would like to. Yeah. Didn't scare you away from it, right? No. What do you see? What kind of dad do you see yourself as going forward? I would like to be someone that's there for their family, that's able to supply for their family, give them shelter, good home, uh, put them through good school. You see any good examples around you of people that you could say, hey, this, this is, this is, my dad's not my example. Who's my example? Honestly, you, you were a very good example of that. I I can certainly say that, you know, having some sort of... You never knew that I had a severely alcoholic father. From a young age, I didn't. But as we grew older, I feel like you were a little bit more open about it. And you did talk about it a little bit more. Maybe not to the point where we've discussed recently or a little bit today. Can I interject? Being your family, Mike, I didn't realize that it was at that level either. I mean, I, I know growing up we weren't as close, but um, when I was you around, kidding me. I did not realize. You gotta be kidding me, Mike! I came from a different level than you did. Um, you think? I, I the impression was when I was at your house as a young kid. The impression to me was he wasn't as bad. Look, I didn't experience it. So you came from Detroit, yeah. Now to tell the readership out there, my family moved from the 1960s suburbs to a lake house out in uh, Oakland County, Michigan. The best lake the house. The fourth richest county in the world is Lake Oakland. Or it is uh, Lake, uh, uh, or excuse me, Oakland County. We just happen to be on Lake Oakland. So, of course, anyone coming from Detroit sees this as just being a short, short of paradise. What they didn't see was what's going always. And, Kyle, you're nodding your head because what goes on behind the scenes no one ever sees it. Um, I had and an I older didn't. brother who is uh, mentally handicapped, and my parents never wanted to admit it, especially my father, who was a raging alcoholic. He was a raging man, always yelling and screaming. He had a fuse as short as any person who's purchased Fourth of July and only has four fingers. You know what a short fuse is. And sorry to say, but uh, that was him. 
and the screaming and the narcissist behavior and the way that the whole family was on edge at all times, seven days a week. I can only tell you a few stories of what broke me as a child, but the first one was him being on afternoons and my older handicapped brother, who was not allowed to be in special ed school because he was handicapped, coming home with D's and E's in 7th, 8th, ninth grade, never getting good grades. Obviously, the man is, something's wrong. And mom yelling and screaming, always yelling and screaming, and always dramatic, and always screaming, always dramatic. And telling dad can't control the kids, of course, he gets all liquored up at 3 o'clock in the morning. There's a report card sitting on the table with me, all A's, my youngest brother, all satisfactory because he's only in kindergarten, and my brother with D's and E's. And my first wake up is to the sound of a scream, a knockdown, and then meat being punched like Rocky getting punched in the ribs and as my my brother being punched in the face because my dad came home drunk and decided he's going to wake up my older brother and just punch his fucking lights out bloody his nose i told you those grades need to go better i told you and this is me waking up in the middle of the night of a nice little country home of a yelling screaming smacking punching rib smacking crying kid dad walks away you will get better grades. I don't want to see this again. Walks away. And you hear my brother crying and crying. And all of a sudden, the next day, we get up at 7 o'clock in the morning. And mom's making fucking sandwiches for us, making paper nap sacks, right? And Richard's walking into school with black eye and has to make an excuse. And he's going to be sitting there and getting ridiculed. And he's going to get made fun of, number one, because he's quote-unquote retarded, and everyone makes fun of him anyways, and now he's got a black eye and this crooked nose, all right? And all me, Mr. A little student who plays three different sports, I wake up and I have to see my brother totally broken, completely broken. That is the life of an alcoholic father. All you folks out there, if you don't experience it, if you're sitting there with, with an alcoholic drink in your hand, you have a responsibility, and I pray to God that you do the right thing. So, now you know a little about, bit about me, Jeff. It wasn't all fucking fun and games. Kyle, I know you didn't know a little about me, but I turned around and tried to raise my kids the best I could. Kyle, do you ever, ever have them experience this? Do you think my kids ever experienced anything that I experienced? Absolutely not. I think you you did a phenomenal job at turning you know that around and molding the life that you wanted for your family and your kids for your future you know and I was definitely one to experience that and like I had touched on before you know you were very beneficial for me for my life you know having uh you know my father seeing him the way he was and you were in a sense you know, my dad definitely did teach me some things of not only what not to do, but he definitely taught me what hard work was. Like, I can't say he wasn't, uh, didn't contribute any sort of beneficial thing to me, but you gave that piece of what it's like to be a man. Mm. Cal, do you have anything else to add? 
Um, <clears throat> I would I would just say for anyone out there uh, who may be in my position or anyone else's position who's talked to you today, uh, you just got to look forward and think about for yourself and what is the right thing to do for your future and something you can do to. Well, how do you protect yourself, yourself as a kid? How do you shield yourself? It depends on your situation. Um, we all run to block. Okay. And we all know that the typical therapy is that no child basically under 30 is equipped. You're unequipped to deal with what's happening. What all children end up doing is they put them in a box. You open up a closet door. You shove it in that closet at the top shelf. You shut the door as fast as you can. You block it out. What I recommend to all folks who have been with alcoholic parents, take some therapy, take some time to have some professionals sit down next to you. Wrap your arms around that 12-year-old, that 10-year-old child. Sit your arm around them. Let a professional sit next to you. Open that closet door one by one. You take down those boxes and you experience it with yourself as an adult and with the professional next to you. I promise you. If you've gone through this, don't be afraid. Take yourself some time and uh, and get, get yourself a, someone around you who can really help you out. Okay? Folks, what you just heard today was some pure raw emotion. It was a pretty tough topic to talk about, I think, for all of us. You heard Mike's heart get broken on the Wild Turkey 12-year. Yeah. <laughs> You heard us talk about <laughs> the effects that alcoholism has on us. If you like what you heard today, like and subscribe. Check us out on Facebook at the Foolproof Truth Bourbon Podcast. Folks, we appreciate your time. Thank you for listening. And on behalf of my host, my co-host, Kyle, thank you for coming in and giving us this Good interview. Good job to you, we appreciate Thank it. you for having me. Appreciate nice it. job. Hey, Folks. next topic is going to be a little bit more lighthearted. I promise we're going to have a lot more fun. I think Jeff and I are going to sit down on the boat and we're going to have a blast goofing around. Uh, look forward to having you guys join us on the Foolproof Truth Bourbon. This is Mike and Jeff with guest Kyle. And thank you for your time. Until then, keep your mojo rolling. Cheers. We'll